Miss McIntosh, my darling, chapter 62, part two. As for his music, which no one had ever played or evoked, why should he complain that he was ignored? For what great musical composition was ever played as its composer had written it? And had not many great composers written their works with visual patterns none could play or imitated such matters as drifting mackerel clouds and shoals of the mackerel stars and fireflies at the helm of a boat breaking through seas of fireflies with its lantern blackened and its angelic wing and its black-sailed prow shadowed upon the moon-glimmering waves like this body wearing this black cape writing their works with enigmas and paradoxes and ultimate mysteries unsolvable and contradictions none should resolve and sounds which never should be heard and fugues of woodwinds crying from one from some other star with hazards and hurdles no merely mortal musician could triumph over with so many acoustical difficulties caused by the atmospheric pressure and the changings of the winds and the movements of the waves so many terrestrial and celestial difficulties that no one could ever know what was omitted by the player could only know that these emissions were the greatest music, bogs of the sounds unplayable and songs of sphinx moths, sphinx moths, great rollers rolling in like the translucent waves comprising, conspiring to drown the musician in flutes and oboes, whistling high as a reminder of what was lost in lost flute notes, none should hear in distant clouds and silent chords trembling in dark seas of undertone, silent whirlpools whirling in ripples swelling to vast seas of which there was no shore and musical stairways no musician could climb and cages to trap the unwary and whirlwinds of musical sounds and none should hear except his memory of sound and pinnacles of music none should ever see in sleeping loons upon the sleeping waves and these great cliffs and crags and these de descents which were the great abyss where was the music of the dead where were all the voices of the dead mr spitzer had written the street music of the dead cities Nineveh and Tyre and Ur of the Chaldees and Carthage and tinkling bells and bellmen and cities under the frozen sand of the great Gobi Desert. Of outer Mongolian cities ruled over by the echoic ivory maiden Galatea and empires of the living dead. To future mus musicians, he left his musical scraps, old shirts written over with his silent music like a language of signs, crescent moons and flying birds and flying hands. From all his musical rags, future musicians must stitch together a musical coat. Though he had added a cautionary phrase as one who knew creation in its void places, remember he had added to his last will and musical testament that his musical rags had not covered him, for there was no great tailor, no tailor but that mad tailor stitching in a dream, stitching the clothes that fall apart. Mr. Spitzer, even if he had written his music, and sometimes he thought that he was only the conductor, not the composer, he was only the conductor of this great music he had written scraps and fragments all his life. Perhaps not even the conductor, perhaps only the musician with his conduit or pipe or fountain, would be, be as baffled by his music as if he had not written it. For scraps of paper flying around him like leaves merely reminded him of something attempted. And if he had known what he was doing in the first place, dragging his nets across the shining waters at dawn to catch the shoals of the mackerel stars fading, perhaps he never would have done so, but would have allowed his music to write him where the stars were not caught. Surely, however, he should not be discouraged by his failures, thinking that life was over, thinking that he was like the dead fisherman in the open scallop lined with mother of pearl, drifting in with the black flag at its prow, perhaps because no fish was ever caught, for the fish would catch the fisherman and the waves would wash over him. And Mr. Spitzer, though very mournful, should not consider that his great works were truly lost because no one had ever combed the sea of all its music. 
These great combers rolling, all its reflected stars and starfish riding at high tide, a delved unconsciousness, fishing for that great pearl, for no great musical composition, not even as great music as yet unplayed, had ever done so explicitly written wave after surging wave, that with all its audible and inaudible sounds and sonorous tonal poems, touching the feathery clouds and quivering throat cords and tongues of golden bells burning like fire, and chromatic colors pale as the colors of the sentinel dolphin dying on the moth-colored rocks and black notes like blackbirds, flying overhead to escort him through seas of glassy clouds and great silver bells and trumpets spilling showers of sound and dead keys like his bones, dead bones singing, and waves surging over the empty boat that could be played as written. And even when there was were not these con constant interceptions of winds blowing in one great cyclonic mass of music blowing trees and waves and stars and clouds and mournful sails and slamming of waves upon the shivering rocks and wild screamings of stormy petrels and enclosed in mother-of-pearl clouds and music of preci precipitation the hailstone music shattering glass mirrors and strings of pearls falling from clouds to hallucinatory waters nor should this music be unequivocally known for none should sound these depths it was music of beginning, and it was a music of ending, never ending. And this music was written in many ways, depending upon the interpreter who wrote the music, like the waves of music etched on his seashell heart in the womb of creation. Music of long roarings and refrains and echoes, echoes from another life, another death, and there were always dual, triple, quadruple, multiple intentions conspiring together, motives denying motives, double sharps to raise a note and double flats to lower a note. Common measures and alia brevis and long apogeaturas and double apogeaturas and notes to unwind the sails. Many tenuto marks and many segnos and many clefts. Impulses fading into impulses like blowings of the dying sparks above the waves or pilot stars fading at the helm in the dying winds. Or secret dreams dreamed by sea anemones none should ever know unless he was sleeping in his grave. Dreams of fishes sleeping in anemones like birds in nests, nests sleeping in him. Fading ripples beginning fading ripples, merged whispers and movements in two ways, four ways, one above another, one beneath another, one backward and one forward. Places where there were four roads meeting in a point over and above four roads of mournful music meeting like flying blackbirds. Being slow or sharp wings in four ways through ambiguous clouds of music not written but remembered or foreordained or forfended or, by, or forfended by other music. Crying distantly, distantly, like the music of all that was not heard or uttered, like the subtractions which were the additions, and there was quincavalent music, music of five roads, music of old coach wheels turning along a crumbling sea road, clop clopping of an old horse, music of tides and counter tides and under tides, ways to which no magnetic needle pointed or pointed only downward toward some old ore freighter which had sunk with iron ingots in its hold or toward a sunken star, star under water, off this darkened shore. Ways where there were no stars, but only those black pits. And as for Mr. Spitzer's immortal music, funerally moving like a pall of black smoke, among all lost possibilities and dying voices and last gleamings of his vision, as if all were possible in future time, or as if there were that possibility sometimes pondered on. Impossible possibility, that if there were no future time and no past, but only the present, this evanescent present forever fleeting like a dream of all times were simultaneities of all times and all souls and none were ever lost and there would be all sorrows forever coexistent and eternal 
and there would be this mourner for something lost, one soul who was lost. Why should he not arrange his great orchestration of all, all being lost to him, this poor soul crying in the impearled dusk, loon soul crying as the light faded, and why should he not make his great melody of all sounds he had ever heard, and all sounds he had never heard, and why should this not be possible for one already dead, already impossible, and why, he asked, should he not add all to all, counter world to world, world to star, star to burning, burning to water, water to freezing, iceberg to diamond star, countersign to star. Add to his music of Abad and serenade, his nocturne, his dying note, add his high noon of music and tumultuous streets, moving like waves under the drummings of rain upon musical umbrellas, pagoda umbrellas. Add to his music of waters and winds, signs of alchemic gold like sea spiders crawling through the fog, and signs of lead and saffron and quicksilver and eggshell and touchstone and glass retorts and iron filings and ashes of roses and letters of the Arabic alphabet to trap the unwary musician in candelabra and signs of musical mutes, and long fingers pointing forward with a golden arrow to indicate the flight of time, or hands pointing backward to yesterday, and sign of a capital city, and sign of a comet, and sign of Uranus, and sign of Pluto, and sign of Sagittarius, the golden archer. Above the city rippling like waves, and signs of fishes fluttering their silver fins like the wings of birds, and sign of the southern cross to indicate the driftings of the stars downward like sand in an hourglass or hourglass hearts, reversing in the alto clouds and spilling sand fountains and kite strings singing above the leaden stars and kite music, soaring with his music soared, soared to its apogee, for farthest from earth in the orbit of the black ball moon, or came so near the earth in its long falling parrot perigee that one could hear it passing over the tidal or orchards billowing with moonstone flowers and the starred meadow grasses billowing and crooked trees bent as if this were the wind which was not the wind but was this music forever fading in his dead conch ears the musical stars lowered to earth or earth billowed upward like waters touching the clouds figacious as flowers falling soon after blooming clouds of dog tooth violets and why should he not add whatever music he thought of or heard or did not hear, music of his checkering, to keep the old horse from lowering his head and flying notes of caprioles, upward leaps made by a long maned horse, maned horse, without going forward, though forever leaping, song of the clue lines raising or lowering the sails, thunder of surf, music coming from distant turrets and towers, songs of rotted wharves creaking, swept by great rollers, buzzings of bees inside apophoras, birds buzzing, and honey-colored light, great hives with many windows and answering music flying above the cloud banks and low-lying stars all night long, all day long. And why should he lament if no one could conduct this plaintive music which left him also baffled? His great music were lost, as one great dirge, or if he, even his smallest piece were lost, Pavani for a dead lady, Pavani for the dead polar bear and the entombed butterfly, the polar bear dreaming of spring, Mr. Spitzer had no doubt, for the music was like his snoring, and the butterfly dreaming of immortality, resurrection, and eternal life, though he was entombed inside the polar bear, as in some great cocoon of snow and silence upon the ice floe, drifting like a star upon the water. A piece of a star, if none should ever know what the snoring, buzzing, singing iceberg music was lost. The sound of an iceberg breaking like a star and foaming, the sound of icicles breaking. Yet Mr. Spitzer should go, must go on, writing his music on a shirt cuff, even if there were no musician in all the clouded world, not even himself who wrote the music, writing his elegy for a frog eating a firefly, 
Fireflies gleaming through them as honeybees buzz and gulls of birds. A bond for a firefly fading at dawn. Serenade to the morning star dropping through a cloud. Note to Arcturus. Note to Aldebaran. Note to Aries. Note to the planetary spirit singing in the Milky Way. Note to a lost soprano note. Note to his dead brother. Small burden for a pack rat. His elegy for himself who was dead and entombed in this life as in a dark star and yet would live as long as his music lived. For he would live as long as his music lived and breathed. Sometimes he thought that his cough, his sneeze, was his only music, shaking his rusted strings, causing him to quiver from head to foot as the rusted strings moved, and he would ripple, ripple through all his lost chords and silent keys with his premonition of the non-musical silence. Indeed, he was sometimes of the opinion that it was music which murdered him and caused him to waste his few remaining years with unassuageable grief. As a matter of fact, perhaps he had written his music on his black handkerchief, simply by blowing his nose or clearing his throat or wiping the stinging waters away from his eyes. And hence, though he was suffering from the sin of pride, remoteness, loneliness, was sympathetic with all derelicts and particularly wandering musicians whose music could not be recognized or musicians who played upon unrecognizable instruments. Yet if he had not been sorrowful, perhaps there would have been no world. He saw an old trumpeteer who, purple-faced, wore the great wind horn, water horn, submarine flower winding around his neck like a winding vine, like a serpent, that with which he was wound, that with which he was wound about as by the love of woman, that from which he believed he could not be detached until death did them part, that which he loved more than he feared death, that which he hated more than he loved life, that which caused his death. He had been ushered to a dying king, and now was both the usher and the king, the horn blower and the horn filled with water like his blood as he told Mr. Spitzer, speaking with a rasping voice. A harsh note seeming to come up from some immeasurable depth and scraping on Mr. Spitzer's ear and sensitive nerve cords and musical sensibilities. So that he had nearly coughed and had nearly sputtered and gone out, that blowing this great silver trumpet in the great orchestra had given him tuberculosis of the lungs, for he had blown out his strength, his fire of life, and his lungs were covered with tubercle. Tubercles, like deep sea corals and black spots. He could not quit. He could not quit blowing his horn, as Mr. Spitzer had sorrowfully advised. <clears throat> For his horn was attached to this old horn blower as a child to the bosom of its mother, crying child, and to give up his music would kill him, as to go on with his music would kill him. <clears throat> For he blew blood-specked phlegm and spittle into his horn and coughed up his blood and would go on blowing through his horn spurted fountains of blood. Oh, would go on blowing, though his horn spurted fountains of blood. Besides, it was too late to give up horn blowing. He had only at best a few more months to his life, for his number had been called and his old horn had been condemned, and he wished to meet death with his trumpet's cry, cry which should cause the clouds to weep, he had told Mr. Spitzer, and the clouds to darken. He had listened carefully to the old horn blower's lament. And what could Mr. Spitzer say? Reason would not prevail. Reason in this instance would seem as excessive as madness. He could only sorrowfully advise or recognize that he was negating himself, that he was contradicting what he had just said. Blow on, horn blower, blow on. Blow moon, sun, and stars before thee. Afterward, when he left the horn blower behind, Mr. Spitzer had murmured softly, blowing to himself. Blow rippling waters, sunset-colored waters. Blow thy horn until the waters turn to seas of molten gold. Blow starlight and surf. Blow until dead fireflies awaken to glitter. Blow until the dead dolphin awakens in the dead starlight and the wake of the foam follows the boat. Blow until dawn streaks the waters in the clouds. Blow thy winding horn after the horn blower is no more.
And after all, as Mr. Spitzer had thought, why not? Why should this old hornblower not blow one sad note of requiem when he was gone? So Mr. Spitzer would not be the first man who had perished for his art, as he had sadly recognized. And others died for music, even when it was only the illusion of music. And indeed, he was glad that he had not done that which he had thought of doing. For at the time, he had felt so sorry for this hornblower that he had almost, remembering an old hornblower who had seen the beggar thrown a coin, a golden coin into a silver horn, but had remembered, just in the nick of time, not to do so, for this hornblower was employed. In fact, Mr. Spitzer's own regret now was that he had not recruited him for his great symphony orchestra, which he was always thinking of organizing. If only he could find enough musicians to employ, they would have to be very hard up to come to him, if only he could pay them to play his music. For there were certainly enough empty chairs, chairs that the seagulls had abandoned, flying up with great, greatly flapping wings. All he had to do was arrange his musical phrases into one great symphony. He was keeping this task for his leisure years, how often he remarked, when he would have time to search through bushel baskets, some of which included old horse scores and bills of sale and bills of lading and affidavits. He knew a clarinetist who had committed suicide because he had suffered agonizing fear that as he had complained to the conductor and other musicians many times, he was out of tune, and that the conductor had assured him that his fears were groundless, that he was in tune, perfect tune, that his tunes could not be improved, that he had reached his zenith, yet had climbed up to the dormer roof of Gloucester boarding house to play his music, a few weird notes sounding through clouds of smoke from chimney pots overlooking the water of the clouds, a sleeping steeplejack sleeping on steeples had seen him, and look out sleeping in moss-hung crow's nests and seen them through the moss and grown up over their eyes. And he had been heard by the makers of canvas sails and menders of sails and menders of great butterfly fish nets. And he had been heard by the caulkers and scrapers and men dropping their anchors in a quiet harbor. And he had been heard by a cadaverous horseman riding a long-limbed horse on a distant road. And he had been heard by whalers and oilskin hats from which the moon-colored raindrops whirled and fellow splashed and by fishermen in the rippling twilight surf and Polynesian pearl divers had heard him in their diving and been heard by mask makers and weavers of hemp and ropes and menders of bull buoys like church bells their lights and Grecian goldsmiths hammering gold the color of the gold of the fire upon the water and the blacksmiths hammering horseshoes and makers of anvils and even heard by boatmen far out at sea upon the sun-streaked darkened waves so far out that the sails of their boats seen through the mother of pearl vaporous clouds answering an antiphon or tiniest fingernails or moths glimmering upon the waves or dipping beyond a far horizon and had waited until the evening star almost near enough to touch was over the chimney which made its flute sound as a fire burned and had jumped from the steep slate roof leaving this note i am out of tune i have gone to join a greater orchestra <laughs>